This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is sponsored by Magic Jack for Business. Uh, you own a small business, you know the phone is your lifeline. Uh, Magic Jack for Business is a really cool way to get phone service reliability for a lot less money. Starts at $14.99 per line. There's no nickel and dime. I mean, you get all kinds of powerful features. So because you're a listener, you're going to get two free months of service when you sign up at magicjackforbusiness.com slash duct tape. So that's just magicjackforbusiness.com slash duct tape. Be one of the first to sign up and you'll get a phone free too. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Chance and my guest today is Pamela Wilson. She is the founder of Big Brand System and also a driving force behind really most of the content that you read at Copyblogger. She's also the author of a book we're going to talk about today, Master Content Marketing, a simple strategy to cure the blank page blues and attract a profitable audience. So Pamela, this is your first time on the show, so welcome. It is. I'm so thrilled to be here. Thanks, John. I think there have been um, a handful of copy bloggers over the years. Uh, John Morrow, uh, obviously Brian several times, and Sonia, and I'm probably forgetting some. Uh, so I get to add you to the copy blogger collection. Cool. Very cool. <laughs> so let's start with I, sometimes I feel like we have to define, you know, we, we're in this little bubble and we talk about things like content marketing and uh, like everybody should know exactly what that is. How would you define that term today? Yeah, it's interesting because I really think that content marketing is just becoming how we think about marketing. Right. I come from the traditional school of marketing, which I know you also come from, which is or was rather it was kind of like hit them over the head with message after message until they finally buy from you, right? right, right. Um, and I, I come from the visual piece of that, so I come from the design angle, and I'm the person who designed a lot of those pieces that you would see in your mailbox or, you know, you would go to a store and you would be handed a brochure or you would invest in a company and they would send you an annual report. I was the person designing a lot of that stuff, And at some point a few years ago, I just kind of realized like, wow, everything that I'm spending all this time creating is ending up in a landfill somewhere. (laughs) It's and it's ending up in a landfill because it's not inherently valuable. Nobody is saving it because it has no real value. And that's what I see as the big difference between the way marketing used to be done and the way it's done today, because Content marketing is valuable, and it meets people's needs. It, it provides valuable, helpful, engaging, sometimes entertaining information that oftentimes people bookmark, they save, they go back to, and that just feels completely different than the hit them over the head until they buy technique of marketing. Well, so, you know, how, how should we start referring to this? I mean, is this a, is, is content a, a strategy? Is it a tactic? Or is it a channel? Um, you know, you, you uh, asked me to, to write a, a little blurb for the book, which, of course, I was happy to do because of its powerful content and message. And I have started to refer to content as air. I mean, it really is, it's not king or, or this tactic or that tactic. Um, where, where does it land in the continuum of how we how we categorize it or is it impossible yeah. to do 
It's I love that idea of it being air for marketers. It's kind of what keeps us going and, and what keeps us breathing. And the other way to think about it is, you know, they say that a fish is not aware of the water it's swimming in because the water just is right. The water is just where they live. And I feel like that's kind of what content is. It's it's how we get our messages out today. Um, and it's it's a beautiful way of marketing because of what I just talked about, that it's it's less intrusive and it comes from a position of being helpful. So I, I think it's more about educating, helping and connecting with the people who you would like to engage in your product or service. So we could do a whole show on just this question I'm going to ask, but how would you characterize how it is continuing to evolve? So maybe even I – mean, we can go back 10 years and do the whole like timeline of how it's evolved. But even in the last year or two, um, you know, how, how has it evolved and how are we supposed to keep up with that evolution? I think originally people thought that content marketing was more like uh, – almost like taking your company's brochure mm-hmm. and putting it on the web, right? So it was all about the, the company itself. Content originally was just felt like marketing copy. Yeah. Um, but marketing copy from the angle that, you know, this is what we do, this is why we're awesome, and the kinds of things that we used to say in our marketing copy, copy all the time. And I think nowadays it's more like um, what... What challenges, what challenges are you experiencing? What needs do you have? And how can we meet those needs with our content? The other thing that has really changed, and as a designer and a visual person, I have noticed this, is I think back in the day, 10 years ago, when you would see online copy, it looked almost like the pages of a book had been placed online. Right. So you would see these big walls of unbroken text, very long paragraphs, not a lot of white space around them or between sections of content. And I think I talk about this on Copy Blogger all the time. I think for content to be readable online, it needs to look different than content that's printed in a book or in a printed brochure Um, with print content. We're always concerned about not using too much paper because every time you have to add a page to a piece, it adds to the expense. With online content, it's the opposite. It's like the sky's the limit. So spread things out, inject white space, use shorter paragraphs, use lots of subheads. Whenever you can, put in bulleted lists and block quotes because all of those things help to break up the content and just make it easier to skim and easier to read. Yeah, I, th- I think that there's no question long-form content. I mean, certainly the search engines like it. I think people like it because you get in, can get in-depth, but um, it's not like a video that somebody's just going to turn it on and watch it. I mean, it, 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 it has to be very scannable. It has to be very kind of skip-aroundable and snackable. And, and, and I think that, that what you just described is, is certainly a, a bit of an art, but it, it's very intentional. It, it definitely is something that can be learned yeah. and you almost have to switch off the original rules you learned about mm-hmm. writing, which was a lot of us in English class learned that every paragraph should have at least five sentences and, yeah. um, you know, all these rules that were perfect for written content that was going to be printed on paper. 
But then for content that's going to be read online, it's just a very different world and you have to approach it differently. And I mean, I always say like, have some mercy on your web reader because uh, they've got a lot of things distracting them. They've got it. They're basically hovering over the back button, getting ready to click away to something else. And so keep it light, make it look engaging and make it look sort of friendly and approachable. And the way to do that is to inject it with lots of white space, use images, break up your content so that it's not so dense. You know, it's funny, as I listen to you describe that, I, you know, I go round and round with my book editors, uh, because they're always, you know, I've been writing online so long, I guess that I write that way now in, uh, you know, for book purposes as well. And they're, they're constantly, you know, getting after me about my five word sentences and things or, or I should say <laughs> five word paragraphs is what I mean <laughs> it's so funny because I really had to switch gears when I started writing the book yeah. you know I I was like oh you know this is this this one chapter is going to be like 15 pages long if I keep writing these two two sentence paragraphs so yeah I had to switch gears because I I do think you know you just read a book very differently than how you read online content yeah. So it was interesting to talk about writing online content, but then set it up in the book in a very different way. So here's let's just get to the heart of this, because um, I'm sure business owners are out there going, this is all great. Lots of people have been talking to me about this, but it is quite frankly, I, for marketers, not just business owners, is it, this content as air and needing content for every step in the journey and, you know, is probably the most stressful thing that marketers and business owners uh, face today when it comes to the changing world and what's going on, you know, online. Um, it, it is... It is the hardest job for many. Um, so, you know, how do we get past that part of it? It's funny. That is exactly why I wrote this book, because I've seen that, too. I've seen so many people feel really daunted by the whole content marketing process. It's like they know it works. They've heard it's amazing. They heard it can do great things. Uh, but they're not really sure. It's like, well, how do I start? How do I, what, how does that work? How do I do it? How do I structure it? How do I get it done? How do I get over that feeling that I'm going to write this thing and all these people are going to be reading it, you know? So I wrote the book to help people over that hump. Um, in particular, people who don't necessarily feel like they are writers. Mm -hmm. I'm drawing air quotes, writers, you know, like born writers, right. born with a writing gene. Because I do think that business owners are uniquely qualified to be the people who write their own content because they feel a passion and a connection with their topic, their service, their product, that it's it's very hard to duplicate in somebody who you hire to write your content or, for you. Or, or worse, you know, the, the, the outsource, give me 500 words, you know, on this topic kind of stuff that, that I think a lot of people just have succumbed to because it's like, well, I got to have it. So they go out and buy the $30 article and, and wonder, you know, why people are still yawning. Right, exactly, exactly, and I that that to me seems so sad because it really is. It, it's sort of like thinking that you can substitute junk food for a real hearty, nutritious meal, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that the business owner themselves can do this, but there is there's kind of a structure and process to the whole thing that I didn't see anyone talking about, and because I had been through this myself. 
I felt like I needed to get down on paper what I had figured out about creating content. Because I'm one of those people, I'm raising my hand, I'm not a born writer. Um, and I say at the very beginning of the book, I'm not a writer. Wait, don't go anywhere. I know you just bought a book from someone who's saying they're not a writer, but stick with me. Well, um, and, and you create the ultimate link bait, the lazy way to produce content. <laughs> right. Right. Because <laughs> what I discovered early on is I did, I kind of developed these processes and these systems that made it much easier. And I did that totally out of necessity. I had a very busy life. I still have a very busy life. And I just found that if I was going to create a decent amount of content, I had to have some kind of process that would work for me reliably. And I found it did work. It worked pretty well. And I started writing about it on Copy Blogger and teaching it to people. And people seemed to really enjoy it. So that's why I wanted to put it all into a book. So it was all in one place. But what I discovered, the main thing that I discovered is that it's much easier to create a piece of content if you look at it in a component way. So there's two angles to this. One is just that a piece of content has seven main components, and it's very important to get each of these seven components right. So the first one is the headline, and as we know, the headline is what gets your content clicked on. So the headline is super important. People, I, th I think in general, people don't spend enough time really just writing a bunch of headlines until they hit on one that works. Well, and so I, I, I would suggest that that's been the secret to copy bloggers' success. I mean, a lot of, absolutely, obviously yeah. there's a lot of other things. There's a lot of commitment. There's a lot of consistency. But there's no question that, you know, starting with Brian, uh, that – you know, headlines, you know, really is what made everybody click over to CopyBlogger. Yes, absolutely. We sweat the headlines. Believe me, there you would not believe how much energy is put into those headlines because really that's the first ad for your content that's out in the world is the headlines. So if you don't get that right, you know, honestly, you might as well just give up because if the headline is boring, it's you might as well not even write the content. So I have a big, big chapter on headlines, and it includes 50 headline templates or formulas that you can use to assemble clickable headlines, basically. And then the next component is the first sentence. And I, I say in the chapter, like I'm, I, I know it seems ridiculous to write an entire chapter about one sentence, but the first sentence of your piece of content is very important because it's the first place that you're trying to get someone to move from clicking on the headline into reading the piece. So it's really important to get it right. The next component is the introductory paragraph. And this is if you're using any kind of content management system, it's basically the copy that goes before the more tag. So it's the copy that introduces your piece. It needs to set it up and create curiosity and get people excited about reading. And then it's subheads. And this is something that I see a lot of people don't take full advantage of. It's adding subheads that make your piece very skimmable and, and look inviting. And the subheads can almost be like ads for different sections of your piece of content. Then it's the main copy. It's basically everything that goes underneath those subheads to kind of flesh out your ideas and present them. Toward the end of most good pieces of content, there's a summary that, and sometimes it's only a sentence or two, but it usually goes back and kind of reminds people what they've just learned. 
Um, and that gives people this wonderful feeling of kind of completion, like, oh, I've been on a journey and this was the journey and this is what I learned along the way. So I recommend that people, and I wrote a chapter about the summary because I recommend that people spend some time thinking about how to wrap things up in a nice, neat bow at the end. And then it's a call to action because we're writing content for marketing purposes. We're writing it to have a positive effect on our businesses. So we do need people to take some kind of action, even if all you're calling them to do is to leave a comment on your content. That's a call to action. So I recommend that people think about that call to action at the end of every every piece of content. And that's where there's a full chapter on it. Well, and, and what's so um, nice about that for those people that feel like writing's hard for them is what you just outlined is a great way to actually approach your writing. So, so in other words, not only is that a great way to have it display on the page and have it very readable, but I know when I write, um, I, I have an idea of maybe what my topic's going to be. I'll Maybe I, I, I usually don't write my headline first, or at least I write a draft headline, uh, but then I'll outline, here are my subheads. And then I just go in and say, okay, now I have to write a couple paragraphs about each subhead. <laughs> and so it really, it kind of yeah. formulates the whole piece for me before I sit down and just try to say, okay, how many words am I going to write here? Exactly. Uh, yeah. And I think a lot of us do it that way. And I, I just hadn't seen anyone put it into book format. Yeah, so that's why that's I put great. it into book format. So the, the other component piece of this is that I really recommend that people spread the content creation process out over several days. And the first day, that's what I recommend is write a headline or a draft headline mm -hmm. and then write out your subheads because that becomes like a backbone for your piece of content. Mm -hmm. And once you get those things figured out, just put it to one side and don't even think about it the rest of the day. You know, yeah. you will think about it. You'll find yourself washing dishes and thinking about your piece of content. But basically, just do that on the first day. And then the next day, fill in under your headline and subheads. Just write like a messy first draft for mm -hmm. day two. Mm -hmm. And then on day three, edit it, polish it up, add an image, get it ready to publish. And then day four, you publish and promote. So get it out there on social media. Give it a good push so it gets in front of as many people as possible. I've just found that if you divide the process up over several days, it's much less overwhelming. And that's my big concern for business owners is that they find a way to make this a part of their daily routine so that they really can write content that will attract people to their businesses with the kind of passion that only a business owner can have. You know, one of the things that I find, so so everybody gets this message now, so there's so much content out there where you talk about, you know, be, people being just overwhelmed with it so they're not reading anything. And so then everybody goes to the, other cliche of, well, it's not about quantity, it's about quality, uh, which, of course, you know, is tough because it's like I didn't realize I was writing crappy content. I'm not writing crappy content on, you know, on purpose. Um, right. so, so I think a lot of people, you know, really feel like how do I, you know, how do I reconcile that? And one of the things that I have found uh, that, that seems to really resonate, particularly with small business owners, is that – you know, obviously, hopefully the quality is there, but you're not necessarily writing so that you become the next copy blogger or the next Mashable. I mean, you're writing content that you hope will attract some of your ideal client and move them to trust you and move them to to maybe want to buy from you and move them to want to be, you know, an advocate. And and so this idea of of 
all of your content, even if you only get five readers, you know, needs to have some sort of intention to move people along the customer journey. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about, because you do in the book, that, that we do need different types of content, but we need to look at that content first and foremost as an asset for the customer journey and not necessarily as something that's going to attract thousands and thousands of readers. Right. Absolutely. You, you have to be aware that people, as they're getting to know your business and, and becoming familiar with your topic, they're moving through these different stages. So I talk about beginner, intermediate, and advanced. So the beginner is basically asking, what is blank? Like, what, what is this thing that you talk about? These widgets that you talk about, what are they? How are they defined? They're really trying to basically define your topic. And you do need to write a fair amount of content for beginners because that's where people are at the very beginning of their customer journey. And you want to attract as many of them as possible. Well, in I some, think it's, some cases, they don't know what their problem is yet. They're not looking for your solution yet. They just know that something's wrong. And so I think, exactly. I think that's the real challenge sometimes is getting involved at that early stage and sort of resisting talking about your solutions. Exactly. And it's an opportunity. I think it's a real opportunity to sort of define the question for them, Right. you know, on your terms, on terms that, that work for you and work for your business. So that beginning content is, is super important. And then there's kind of this intermediate stage that not all beginners will move on to, but right. the people who are more serious, they'll move on to becoming intermediate readers, let's say, and they're more interested in how do I do X, right? So they they understand your topic, but then they want to actually do something with it. So whether it's a service or a product or, a you know, just a topic in general that you talk about, these readers, these intermediate readers want to sort of interact with it. So this is where how-tos, tutorials, um the ultimate guide to kind of a post that does really well with the people who are at that intermediate phase because they're, they're just looking for information. They want to become more proficient. Um, And then the, the, the last stage is kind of the advanced reader. And again, not everyone is going to, it's a smaller number that move on to this advanced stage. But once they're at the advanced stage, they're thinking about things like, how do I get really good at this thing? You know, they want more advanced tips. They want to become really experts at this. So you do have to write some content for those people as well. Um, the people who are at the beginning will look at that content and say, oh, that's that's not for me, but maybe someday it will be. Maybe I can aspire to get to the place that this content would be useful. So I'm talking with Pamela Wilson, the author of Master Content Marketing. And I want to finish up with one last uh, thought the uh, as people start adding staff or start you know growing their organizations do you think that i think i think it used to be where we'd say okay we need to add some marketers but do you believe that uh, as people start growing their staff or start looking for positions to add that that we should all and when i say we small business owners should all be hiring content specific staff I, I hate to answer questions like this, John, but I'm going to say it depends. <laughs> I think it depends a little bit about um, the particular business. I think some businesses truly can have internal people write content, especially when they have some kind of a structure and they have some kind of a process in place. 
I think internal people, almost anyone can learn to write a good piece of online online content. And that's, I mean, that's why I wrote the book so that people who didn't necessarily feel like writers would feel empowered to create their online content. So I think there's a way, at least at the beginning, that internal people could create some of the content. At some point, you may get to a, a, a point in the process where you realize that your content needs exceed the manpower that you have internally, and then you need to bring people in. Um, but what I recommend in the, in the book is try to write one really solid piece of content every week. If you can just aim for that at the very beginning, that will get you off to a good start. It will start your site, um, in the process of getting ranked and, um, but then eventually some companies come around to this point where they want to create an ebook. They want to write a white paper. They want to write a series of autoresponder emails or develop an online course. And that's where having an internal content marketer could be very helpful. Yeah. And I, and I think what happened, one of the things I've seen happen is that people start at first, they're like, okay, okay, we have to produce content, but they don't really feel the value of it. And then all of a sudden they start ranking for some keywords, phrases, they start having people use the content in the sales process and, and win deals. And I think all of a sudden then they say, hey, we need to invest, we need to invest in this. <laughs> this stuff works. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it is a slow process. And that's, that's why I'm saying I think it might make the most sense to try to do some of it internally at first. Yeah. Sometimes it's good to do those things because then you have a better idea of the kind of person that you would need to hire yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because you may find that you can meet some of your content needs internally, but then there are certain aspects of it that you do need to bring in someone from the outside. So I'm, I'm kind of a bootstrapper at heart. So my thing is always like try to do it yourself for a while so that you become aware of the challenges and the issues, and then get to the point that you bring bring in help. So, Pamela, where would people find, I know, obviously, the book's for sale in many places. Where would people find out more about you and your work with uh, Mastering Content Marketing? Yeah. Well, the book, they can. I created a page at mastercontentmarketing.com. So it's kind of it talks about the book a little bit and gives some links on where people can find it. It is available wherever books are sold, no matter what country you're in. You should be able to find a copy of Master Content Marketing. And I'm on Copyblogger pretty much once a week, so people can look for me there. And then my own site is bigbrandsystem.com. All right. Thanks so much, Pamela. Hopefully we'll see you out there on the road. Sounds great. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. 